in the building this morning hallelujah I want to take a brief opportunity this morning to welcome all of our guests that are here in the house of the Lord Rock Church would you help me one more time lift up your voice and put your hands together help me give a great ovation this morning come on we can do a little bit better than that help me welcome all of our guests into the house of the Lord today what a privilege and an honor it is to have you here in the house of the Lord. If this is your first time here at the Rock Church of Fort Myers, we want to invite you to join us immediately after the service in our VIP uh, room. We've got some light refreshments and a small gift that we'd love to, to give you just as a small token of appreciation that you would come and be in the house of the Lord with us. And so if you're here for the very first time and you did not receive one of those VIP invitation cards, if you would just slip your hand in the air quickly, somebody will bring one to you. We want to make sure that you're able to go back and join us after the service today. Amen. Is anybody thankful for what the Lord's been doing in this house? Come on, are you grateful for everything God's been doing in this place? Amen. We are so thankful for the move of God that's been happening here. We've been breaking records in our Sunday school department the past couple of weeks. Amen. That's worth giving God a praise over right there. God is giving us dominion and favor. And there is simply no telling what God wants to do before we leave this house today. Amen, somebody. Amen. Stand with me if you would all across the building as we prepare for the entrance of God's word into this house. It is such an honor to have back with us again this weekend, Evangelist Jacob Phillips. Amen. Now I know he came with a word from God for this house. I wonder if there's anybody in the building that came ready to preach with the preacher today. Are you ready this morning? One more time, would you put your hands together and give God your best praise? 
Come on, we can do better than that. Let's give God our best praise as the man of God comes to deliver the word this morning. Well, while you're clapping your hands, why don't you lift your voice and give God a shout of praise. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Come on, somebody give him the highest praise. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Come on, anybody come to bless the Lord today. Thank you, Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. Matthew chapter 6. We'll begin reading in verse 25. I want to challenge you challenge you to come to church tonight. Brother Williams, I felt like the Lord has given me a word uh, tonight that is going to set a higher trajectory. This church is already on its way up, but I really do believe uh, that God's going to give us some instruction tonight. And so I want to challenge you, even if you're a guest, come and be with us tonight. Give honor today to your wonderful pastor, First Lady, I love them so much. They're some of God's very best. Everything they do is with excellence and with the kingdom in mind. And I just keep believing, God, that best is yet to come. Hallelujah. Thank you for all three of you that believe that. The rest of you, I guess i got to preach to you a little longer. The best is yet to come. Woo! Hallelujah. Amen. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, Jesus is speaking here. This is a part of the Sermon on the Mount. And he says, Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat, or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body, what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? Jesus stops and I, I told y'all I was held back in Sunday school. They kept me in the primary class for like five years. It's only a three-year class. I, I failed the primary class twice. But in my little Sunday school brain, imagine as Jesus is standing there on the mountain, he turns and he points because his words here in verse 26 are, behold or look or pay attention to the fowls of the air. For they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather in the barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. And then Jesus asked the question. It is probably one of the most simple things that he said, but one of the hardest things for us to get our minds wrapped around. And Jesus said, are ye not much better than they. I want to preach to this wonderful congregation today as the Spirit of God has led me to do so. Simply this, better than the birds. Better than the birds. Would you lift your hands with me right now and let's pray together and ask the Lord that he would help us. God, we love you. We thank you. We worship you. We give you glory. We give you honor. There's nobody like you in heaven or in earth. God, you're the first. You're the last. And God, you are the everlasting. You're the one who was, who is, and is to come. 
the Almighty. I pray, God, today that you would have your way in this house. God, give somebody a revelation that they matter to you. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. In Jesus' mighty name. I feel the Holy Ghost here today. Why don't we just take a few moments and lift our hands and our voices as loud as we can and give God some praise one more time. seated in the fear of the Lord. It is evident in Scripture that the God we serve is a God that is greatly enthralled with his creation. The workmanship of God is evident in every mountain and every river. I want to tell you today, if you want to know what causes the flowers to, to, to bloom in the spring. It's the Lord God Almighty. If you want to know what causes the leaves to change in the fall, not around here. You got palm trees around here, but you know what I mean. It's the Lord God Almighty. Everything that we see and everything that we our eye can touch is here all because God created it and God allowed man the wisdom to evolve things from the place that they were in its beginnings. Genesis chapter one, Moses begins to write in the form of a song with revelation from God of what it was like when the earth was void and without form as the spirit of the Lord moved upon the face of the waters. And he takes us through creation as the land and the sea is formed and God uh, he, he creates, and then you'll notice that there's this theme in Genesis, and this is not what I'm preaching, but I could preach it. It's, it's as God creates, then he separates. He creates, and then he separates the water and uh, causes the dry land. So it's not enough to just be a new creature. You have to separate yourself from some things. Come on, somebody. But that's, that's not what we're preaching today, but God... He creates, he separates, and he walks us through as God intricately created the earth, making it what he wanted it to be. Can I tell you today that on the onset of what I feel like God is wanting to tell somebody, that God doesn't just accidentally happen through life. God is not like us in the sense of he does not know what's going on outside of our little world, but God is present at all times, at all times. God is present at all places, at all times. And I just want to tell you today that God is not just, it, it, it's not just failure and trying to learn from his failure with what's going on in your life, but God knows what's going on. God knows where you are. God knows what you're going through. He knew you were going to be here today. Can I tell you today, friend, that God has his hand all over your life. You may not feel any direction. You may not feel like God cares, but let's just rest assured and hear this preacher today. God knows where you are. Hallelujah. The Bible tells us in the book of John that in the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God and all things were made by him. Without him was nothing made that was made. And so because God is so connected to his creation, it only makes sense that he would refer to it all throughout scripture. Nothing 
that is made was made without him. I am here and I owe my life and everything around me today. It's all because of God. So as we read the word of God in Matthew chapter 5 through chapter 7, it is what we have dubbed the sermon. On, I'm going to preach here in a minute. My time don't start till I start screaming. Y'all stop looking at your watch. <laughs> I got the microphone today. But in Matthew chapter 5 through chapter 7, this is uh, God teaching us. And, and this sermon, what we have dubbed the Sermon on the Mount, uh, Bishop Williams, I, I do believe that you can take any of these scriptures from these uh, couple of chapters and put them in the proper context and you can learn how to be a Christian. You can learn how to live for God. You can learn to walk by faith and not by sight. You can learn to get along with your brother. You can learn that there's a blessing in the fruits of the Spirit. You can learn how to be humble and keep your temper in check and to turn the other cheek. You will find it all throughout this chapter is God is literally teaching you how to live for God. And But there's this driving force that Jesus teaches in this sermon and it is simply this. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And all of these things will be added unto you. God said, if you want to be blessed, you seek the kingdom first. If you want your marriage to be blessed, you seek the kingdom first. If you want anything that you touch to be blessed, it's got to all run through the kingdom. And it's at this point that I want you to understand. Again, he created the fowl of the air before he created mankind. And as he is teaching through this, he begins to teach us and to tell us, take no thought for tomorrow. For tomorrow will take thought for itself. Take no thought for what you shall eat or what you shall drink or what you shall put on, sisters. Come on, somebody. Don't act like you ain't already got your outfit planned for Friday. He said, don't worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to... I'm still talking. I'm not screaming yet. What you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to put on. Don't worry about it. And, and my natural reaction to that, Bishop, is why not? Because I'm a person that likes to be prepared. Am I by myself today or is there anybody else in here? You probably got that little calendar with your to-do list for this week. And it's, it's all highlighted in red and yellow and blue and pink. and all. You, you got it all figured out what you're going to do this week. But as Jesus is teaching, he said, don't worry about tomorrow. Now, I understand that there are two sides to this, and this can be taken completely out of context. So please don't just go crazy with what I'm preaching today. I don't have time to qualify all of this, but I will tell you that there is a place in God where walking by faith and living with the Lord. And again, I want you to remember what God is teaching them. He's teaching them how to live by faith every day of the week. And there is this moment that he stops and he says, Behold the fowl of the air. He, he wants you to turn and look at the birds. He wants you to pay attention to the sparrow that's hopping around in the parking lot. He wants you to pay attention to the crow that is flying from limb to limb and the eagle that soars high above the earth. He said, pay attention to the fowl of the air. And I want you to understand that he created the fowl before he created mankind. But can I tell you today that there was a connection that he'd had with mankind that he 
he did not have with the birds. There was an adoration for mankind that he did not have for the birds. He created the birds in their own image, Bishop, so that they could fly from limb to limb and live according to faith. But when he created me, he created me in his image. And I've come to tell somebody today that when God gave you the choice and you made it to live for him, you automatically got adopted into heaven's program that takes care of his children. And God spoke to his people that day and he's preaching to somebody today and telling you simply this child of God, you don't need to worry because if I take care of the birds, I'm going to take care of you because you're better than the birds. I've come to preach to somebody on a Sunday morning that's got problems on every side and you don't know how God's going to make a way out of no way. Can I preach to you today and tell you you need to leave your worry outside the door. You need to forget about your problem and get your focus on Jesus because he said I am going to take care of you. You're better than the birds. God, God woke you up this morning and put breath in your body and started you on your way because he wanted to have a relationship with you for you to understand. It's more than just, you're not, you're not here by accident, but you're here by divine appointment for God to let you know you matter to God. You might not feel like you matter to your friends. You might feel like you don't matter to your family. You might feel like you don't matter to the church church down the road but just let me tell you about the rock church you matter at the rock church and you matter to God you're better than the birds I'll take care of you I'll make a way where there is no way I'll open doors, thank you, Bishop, that nobody can close. I'll show you that I'm a God that shows up on time, every time. When you don't have any money, I'll come through. When you're sick in your body, I'll come through. When your family's turned upside down, I'll come through. I'm telling you, God really is concerned with his people. Hallelujah, I think one of the easiest things for us to do, myself included, is to get caught up in a spirit of worry. But God simply is telling us today, stop worrying. As a matter of fact, if you look at the title in your Bible as it goes through and it begins to tell you what Jesus is teaching, it will say here, teachings on worry. We've got so many people that come to church and when they come to church, they can't get their breakthrough because all they can do while they're sitting on the pew is worrying about what's going on at the house while they're at the house of God. Can I tell you, if you'll take God, take care of God while you're at his house, he'll take care of what's going on at your house. If you'll take care of God when you come into his presence uh, and you'll leave your worry at the door, uh, I've come to tell somebody on a Sunday morning, uh, he'll start working uh, in things that no man can work in. Uh, he'll start moving uh, in a in things uh, that seem impossible. I've come to preach to somebody today uh, and tell you uh, that my God uh, is a God of impossibilities. Uh, my these things which are impossible with man are possible with God. You 
can fix it. I might not can fix it. Bishop might not can fix it. But let me tell you about Jesus. The old timer said he's all right. Let me tell you about the way maker. Let me tell you about a God that'll show up when nobody else can show up. I've got my Jesus. He's all right. Can I tell you today that worry is a miracle murderer? Worry is a distraction from the divine things of God. Worry will cause you to walk right past your miracle. Worry will cause you to come to church and miss your word. Somebody missed it right there. You came to church today, everything's going wrong, and you can't even get your mind on what I'm saying right now because you're thinking about the bills that are stacking up on the kitchen. Let me tell you something, baby. I got bills just like you got. I, I got problems just like you got, but I got a revelation you need to get. I got a God. And he said, don't worry. Everything is going to be all right. I am so sick and tired. Listen, it's not just in the apostolic ranks. You can listen to charismatic churches, Baptist, Presbyterian, and they're all saying the same thing. I have had it up to here of hearing people talk in the pulpit about the issues with politics. If we can just get rid of Biden, well, four years ago, if it was just, if we could just get Biden, if we can get rid of this Congress member, if we can get rid of that Congress member, if we can get this bill passed, if we can get that bill passed, let me tell you something, I don't worry about that stuff at night. You wanna know why? Cause that ain't a part of the kingdom I'm a part of. In my kingdom, the king never comes up for re-election. In the kingdom I'm a party on, the bills always get paid. In the kingdom I'm a party of. Y'all ain't gonna help this white boy preach on a Sunday morning. In the kingdom I'm a part of, he said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'll show up in late in the midnight hour. I ain't got... Worry about what's going on in this kingdom. I'm a part of a kingdom whose builder is not man. I'm a part of a kingdom with a king that's never lost a battle. In this kingdom, shake somebody and tell them in this kingdom, there might be sickness. But in that kingdom, no sickness can enter in. In this kingdom, there might be bills to pay. But in that kingdom, the streets are paved with gold. In this kingdom, my family might be dysfunctional. But in that kingdom, the there's going to be peace forevermore and evermore and evermore. In this kingdom, I might be in bondage, but in that kingdom, I'm going. 
going to a breakthrough in this kingdom I might have to suffer but in that kingdom I'm gonna rejoice what you need to do you need to stop listening to all the people saying if we can just get this to fix it and that to fix it and you just need to tell them try Jesus he's alright have you tried if you ain't tried him don't sit there and act like I don't know what I'm talking about that's why David would say old taste and see that the Lord he is good you ain't got no right to tell me how to shout if you ain't never tasted but I promise you baby if you taste what I taste if you've seen God do what I've seen God do if you've seen God make a way you'd be dancing you'd be shouting you'd Leave your worry at the door Cause you know God is gonna make a way Look at you Shouting and dancing All them big Stacked up on the table Look at you Acting like a fool Nobody cares about you. You need to walk back into your living room today. Look the devil in the eye and say, but I'm better than the birds. And God takes care of the birds. So he's going to take care of me too. I promise you, I promise you, that bird don't get up in the morning and say, oh my God. I hope Bishop Williams spilled some french fries when he left from Wendy's parking lot. Oh my God, I hope somebody dropped half of a hamburger so I can jump around and pick it apart. That ain't what that sparrow's thinking. He just shows up at the parking lot and waits on his dinner. Oh, you ain't gonna help me preach. We got so many people coming to church and when you come to church, oh my God, I don't know if God's gonna work a miracle today. Oh my God, I don't know if he's gonna show up and make a way out of nowhere. Oh my God, I don't know if he can pay those bills. I've just come to tell you today, it ain't your job to look to expect the, uh, the miracle to just fall out of the heaven. You just show up where you're supposed to be and let God do the rest. If God can feed Elijah through a raven. He can feed you. He can take care of you. He can. Come on, I'm looking at some people. I'm looking at you. And you still got problems and you're still sitting there like a bump on a log. I'm going to preach until you get this revelation I'm preaching about. Because when you get it, you'll get up out of your pew and start moving because you know God's about to move. God's about to heal. God's about to deliver. God's about to make a way. I love I love how Jesus does this. Being all knowing. Did y'all know that Jesus was a little bit of a smart aleck? He was. He says, it's just him being smart aleck right here. This is Jesus. Same me. Same bishop. Jesus said, which one of you, now I'm paraphrasing this, but you can go read it. Which one of you, by taking thought or worrying, can add a cubit onto your stature. 
You know what he was saying in 2023? If worrying worked, you'd be six foot three, 225, straight teeth, tall, dark, and handsome. If worrying worked, some of you'd be living in a mansion on a hill. If worrying worked, you would have drove up in a Bentley. If worked, if it worked, you would have showed up at the house of God today uh, and you'd have walked in with your nose so high. If it rained, you would drown. Uh, if worry and work, you'd be taller, you'd be richer, you'd be in better health. Uh, your family wouldn't be in a wreck. If worry worked, uh, Jesus said worry and don't work, baby. Uh, if you could worry yourself into a better place, uh, you would have done but I've come to tell somebody today uh, since worrying don't work uh, why don't you try worship y'all ain't gonna help me preach since, since you worried yourself sick uh, and you worried yourself uh, broke uh, and you worried your family into bigger problems uh, and that didn't work uh, why don't you come to the house of God uh, throw your hands up in the air uh, and say I'm gonna take a chance uh, on worship uh, If it worked, I'd be in a lot better position. But let me just, you want a simple but powerful revelation? Worrying don't work. Complaining don't work. Griping and fussing don't work. Because you see what happens is when, I'm going to preach now. I done got your attention, so now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk to you for real. What happens in this season when we start worrying, it's not only do we get mad at God, but we start blashing out at other people. Well, the preacher didn't shake my hand. Preacher didn't come back there and into the VIP room knowing good and well he done preached his guts out and had to counsel 47 other people and you upset because one man didn't walk in a room and shake your hand. That's what happens when you let worry rule your life. You come to church looking for a way to get bitter. You come to church looking for a reason to walk out the door. You come, well, they don't have the lights dark enough or maybe you from that side of the track so the lights are too bright and, and and I don't like this and the music was too loud or it wasn't loud enough or, or they ain't got air conditioning and, and when they ever gonna fix that and when they gonna do this and you know what when you get rid of the spirit of worry you'll forget about all that and just say I came to bless the Lord I just came to magnify Jesus I'm just here to worship because I know worship is my weapon it's doubt. Goes on to say, let me preach. I feel my help. And why take he thought for Raymond? He said, consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. The Bible says they toll not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. You know what he was saying? He said, I, I don't want you to just look at the birds. 
I want you to look at the lilies. Ain't nobody there planting them. Ain't nobody pouring out fertilizer. Ain't nobody walking by with a cup of water watering them. But they keep on growing. When you get this revelation, that's how your blessings are going to be. Ain't nobody going to have to pour out fertilizer. Ain't nobody going to have to walk by and water it. When you get the revelation that it's better to worship than worry, uh, then blessings just start popping up out of everywhere. That's why we say we're blessed in the city, but we're blessed in the field. We're blessed when we come in, and we're blessed when we go out. Blessed in the storehouse, blessed in the body. I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. I'm the lender and not the borrower. I've come to tell you that's what happens when you worship instead of worry. Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Can y'all, yeah, y'all already, man, y'all fast. Before I even asked for it, y'all already had it up there. Let's go to verse 30. I want you to notice there's one word and then a comma. This word, wherefore. Noticing from there, there is a pause. And this, this puzzled me. I tried to work this out in my own carnal mind, but I had to go to the word of God and begin to study, and I found out that this word wherefore, because if you know anything about God, he is one. The Father and the Son and the Spirit are all one. Well, I thought I was in an apostolic church. Jesus said, I and my Father are I don't care how they baptize you. If they baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit, you didn't get baptized right. Because that's not his name. His name, all power in heaven and earth is given unto me. Me who, me Jesus. He, he said there is no other name given unto heaven whereby we must be saved. So this is the man, Christ Jesus, responding to what his divinity has just said. Wherefore, or why, that's what that word wherefore means, why? It says, consider the lilies, they tall not, they spin not, but yet God's taking care of them. And then he says, why? If God so clothed the grass of the field, which is today is, and tomorrow it's burn up in the oven. Shall he not much more clothe you? Oh, ye of little faith. Let's go to the next verse. Therefore, which means for this reason, can I preach to somebody today and tell you that your wherefore will always be followed up by God's therefore? Wherefore means why, but therefore means for this reason. You came to church with some wherefores today, but I got a therefore for you. Why's my family in a mess? Why's my money running out? Why's my world turned upside down? I've come to tell you there's a therefore for you here right now. And that's so that God could be made real in your life and he could be made known like you've never known him before. I don't know why this had to happen. 
I don't know how I'm having to go through this. Why this? Why that? Why this? Listen, I grew up in the school of thought that said you don't ask God questions, but I'm just going to tell you I don't agree with that. I believe it's okay to ask God why. He shows us that here. As a matter of fact, when we start studying about a man, there, there's one man in particular that really stuck, sticks out in this setting and, and he probably asked why more than anybody else and we shout all about what he says. And one fell swoop, this old fellow named Job loses his children, his animals, his 401k, even a dog, let, baby, it's bad when the dog leaves. Everybody gone. And Job is sitting there in a pile of ashes, scraping quite literally the pus out of the balls in his skin. Well, I know that's gross, but it's the reality of what was going on in his world. And we always preach the very beginning of Job, Brother Trevor, and the very end of Job, but nobody preaches about the Job in the middle. Because we can shout with the beginning of Job. Because God is up there talking to Satan and God's in control. And we can shout in the end of Job because Job got it all back and he got double for his trouble. But we don't preach a lot about the Job in the middle because the Job in the middle has a lot of wherefores that come out of him. And, and it's hard to preach faith from the Job in the middle because the Job in the middle begins to say stuff like in Job chapter 7 and verse 1. Why hast thou set a mark against me? You know what he was saying, Bishop? God, why are you picking on me? Ooh, I just got in somebody's corn patch right there. God, God, why are you letting this happen to me? You know what Job's attitude was? I'm fixing to hit somebody so hard in the mouth. Don't you know who I am, God? I'm Job. I pay my tithes. I give my offering. I show up to church. I know all the words to the songs. I pick them up and put them down. And you're still picking on me. God, we got a problem. And it just keeps on going. Job 10 and 18. He says, wherefore, or why am I even brought out of the room? He says, God, why was I even born? If you was going to pick on me like that, why did you even let me be born? I, I'm, I'm really fixing to get close to home for somebody. Lord, if you knew my daddy was going to walk out, why would you let me be born? If you knew my mama was going to look me in the eye at 16 and say, I hate you, get out of my house, why would you even let me be born? If you knew I was gonna grow up in the crack house because I don't even know who my daddy is and I don't even know where my mama's at right now and I've grown up with this addiction all of my life, why did you even let me be born? See, you're the first, you think you're the first person that's ever asked these kind of questions, but the Job in the middle preached those kind of questions. The Job in the middle quite literally is sitting here and some theologians say this is him even, even kind of giving in 
his wife is saying when she says, curse God and die. This is, this is Job's, he's contemplating this. We know his response, woman. You speak like a foolish child because he understood he had a choice. If I, can, if I can curse God and die, that means I can bless God and live. But the Job in the middle doesn't have that tenacity. The Job in the middle's been coming to church and contemplating suicide. The Job in the middle's been coming to church uh, saying, I might as well quit God because God don't even care enough about me uh, to even know where I'm at right now. Job in the middle asked questions like, how do the wicked continue to be blessed? And here I am sitting in a pile of ashes in nakedness. Lost my, lost my ability to do anything. Here I am, setting in nothing. The Job in the middle asked questions just like you ask. God, why? How, how come the, I look out there and I see the drug addicts and I see the, the, the drug pushers and they're blessed. They got nice cars and nice houses and here I am and I'm faithful and you've left me alone. And Elihu begins to preach. After Elihu gets done preaching, after all the whys come out of Job, then God starts talking. Job, where were you when the foundation of the earth was laid? Job, where were you when the, God, God kind of got ticked off a little bit. Who do you think you are, Job, coming up here telling me who, what, who I am and who I am? Where were you when the morning stars rejoiced? He said, you know what the problem is, Job? You got your eyes on the wrong kingdom because everything that Job talks to God about is things of the earthly kingdom. But when God begins to speak back to Job, he starts speaking, Bishop, from things that Job can't reach. And so he's literally telling Job, Job, you've got your eyes on the wrong kingdom. And so you're worried about the loss of your children. And rightfully so, that's your babies. And you're worried about the loss of your livestock. Rightfully so, that's your living but Job, I just want you to know I'm bigger than just your children and your livestock. I was God when the foundation of the earth was laid. I was God when the morning started. Where were you, Job, when I separated the seas? He was simply saying, Job, you need to realign your eyes and get them back on the right kingdom because if you get your eyes off of your kingdom and get them on my kingdom, you'll understand Stand that you're better than the birds and I'm taking care of you. This is the last really question that God asked Job in Job chapter 38 and verse 41. As Job is feeling hopeless, God asked Job a question. Can you put that up there, Job 38 and 41? Who provideth for the raven, his food. You know what that was? That was God Almighty reaching into the future and the past at the same time. He was already at the mount, the Sermon of the Mount, and as it would come from Jesus' mouth, behold the fowl of the air. 
They don't build barns. They don't plant gardens. Yet the Lord feeds them. It was just an old story in new verbiage as God came down to Job <laughs> after the Holy Ghost. As he was sitting in ashes, scraping himself with pots, and he was saying, who takes care of the raven, Job? I don't, I, I don't think God cares about me. I'm gonna tell you something. If he cares about one little old man that's lost everything and is sitting in a pile of ashes fighting his own wife and she's telling him, Job, just die! Curse him, Job! Just say it and God will kill you. Put yourself out of your misery. And if God cares about that little old man, he cares about you. As the musicians and singers get ready to come, I'm closing. Found this interesting if God compares us and he says, you're better than the birds. It's quite, are we in agreement? That's what God said. He said, you're, you're better than the fowl of the air. So I, I, I thought, Sister Williams, if I'm better than the birds, what do the birds do? So I know what God does for them, but what do they do for God? Bishop, I found out that some 70, it's 70 something. You go study, I forgot the exact number. Do you know that 42% of uh, percentages are made up on the spot? Some of y'all will get that tomorrow. Moving right along. But it's 70 something percent of a bird's day. You know what he does? He sings. Now we know what God does for the bird. And I'm better than the bird. But Sister William, 70 something percent of that bird's day, he just flies around singing. And I started thinking, what would happen in my walk with God? I got up in the morning and like David said, seven times a day do I praise the Lord. What would happen if I sat down to eat lunch and I said, I will sing unto the Lord a new song. What would happen if I sat down with my children in the evening time and said, bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. See, maybe, maybe he ain't been taking care of you like he's been taking care of the birds because you ain't been taking care of him the way the birds been taking care of him. He looks, he sees, he's looking down, he sees the sparrow, the Bible literally says he sees that sparrow that falls. Are you not better than the birds? It's in that same scripture, same teaching moment that Jesus says that the very number of your hair are numbered. Are you not better than them? I, I know you came to church today and you feel like you're worthless, but you know, there, there's the scripture and I believe it's in Matthew and Luke. They, they tell two different stories, but it's giving the same analogy. One, Jesus is teaching. He says, are not five, 
sparrows sold for two farthings or two pennies. Two, and I think it's in Matthew, it says, are not two sparrows sold for one farthing? So quite literally, if you, if you buy two sparrows for a penny, but you can buy five for two pennies, that means you buy four, you get one free. Am I doing my math right? Like I only graduated seventh grade. I'm kidding. He said if you, if you buy four, you get one free. And I wonder, this is just the way I, I think, I wonder if that's the one that's been tossed from cage to cage and maybe he's got a wing broken now. Nobody thinks he's worth anything, so they just throw him in with a deal. And somebody came to church today feeling like the fifth sparrow. I'm the worthless one. I'm the buy for, get one free. I'm the one that nobody wants anything to do with. David said it like this, I alone, I'm like a sparrow alone on the rooftop. He was comparing himself to this fifth sparrow, to this bird. But Jesus wants David to know, David, even if you feel like you're the fifth sparrow and your daddy doesn't even think enough of you to call you when the prophet comes. Before you were in your mother's womb, I knew you. You may feel worthless to the world and you may feel worthless to society and you may even feel worthless to the church world, but I want you to know you walked into a church today where you are not worthless. As a matter of fact, everything we do in this house is to glorify him and for you to know you have a purpose. Stand with me all over the house. I don't know what my purpose is, preacher. I feel like I'm barely getting by. I don't, I don't know why I'm even here. That's what Job said too, honey. Feel like I'm just wasting oxygen. Matter of fact, I know what I'm feeling in the Holy Ghost right now. There's somebody in this house this past week. I could put my hands on you right now. The Holy Ghost showed me a few moments ago. We'll talk after church. But this week, the thoughts of suicide came in because you don't feel like you have any worth. Let me tell you something. The devil is a liar. You don't have anywhere to belong. Just tell you something, you belong here. If you feel like you got somewhere to belong, you still belong here. If you feel like you're barely getting by, let me just tell you, God sent this crazy preacher all the way from Mississippi to let you know you're better than the birds. And you showing up to church today was an accident. It wasn't just somebody invited me. It wasn't because you saw a cool reel on, on Instagram. It wasn't because of any of that. And I thank God for all of that stuff. But it was divine appointment. God bringing you to the place where everything changes. God was bringing you to the Rock Church 
for such a time as this. I wonder, I wonder how many people that have been on this platform today that have stood in these altars and shouted and danced, ran the aisles. I wonder how many of them would just be honest with you today. We are, they're honest with God. I wonder how many of them would be honest with you and just raise their hand when they say, when I say when they came to church, they felt worthless too. See that? Come on, I want you to take a good look around. See people with their hands in the air. When they came to church, they came for one reason. They were standing where you are in a place of voidness, in a place of emptiness, in a place where you, you tried to feel something, but you couldn't feel anything. So you tried to fill that void with relationships and drugs and alcohol and all of those things, but then none of them could fill the void till they came to the house of God and they found out in that moment, I, God cares enough about me. Come on. I'm, I'm reaching for you today. Would you step from your pew and would you make your way to the altar? Come on, everybody that would and lift your hands. And if you're here today and you feel worthless, I just want you to know you're at the right place. God wants to fill you with something that will give you purpose. He wants you to know that you're better than the birds. You are enough. Come on, come on, come on. You are enough. Come on, everybody that would, would you step out? Come on. Come on, come on, come on. God's reaching, God's pulling. Come on, God's reaching, God's pulling. He wants you, He wants you. God wants you.
talk more about it tonight. Bishop, you talked about it a couple weeks ago. There's this, there's this special place at the altar. Come on. God's still pulling for somebody. And yes, you can surrender in your pew. But right now, God's calling you out of your place of comfort into the unknown. Come on, would you come? Would you come? God's still reaching for you. Would you come? Come on, they're going to sing it one more time. Would you step out from where you are? Make your way to the altar and lift your hands and surrender to the Lord. Come on. Make your way to the altar and surrender to the Lord. 